Hey, what's up, listeners? My name's Tyler, and you're listening to Horror's Home Podcast. Today, I'm going to be discussing Men, which is a 2022 folk horror film written and directed by Alex Garland. It follows a widowed young woman, played by Jesse Buckley, who goes on a solo holiday in the English countryside, but becomes disturbed by the men in the community, all played by the same actor, Rory Kenner. Alex Garland is known for working on such films such as 28 Days Later and 28 Weeks Later, and directing Ex Machina and Annihilation. Jesse Buckley starred in 2020's I'm Thinking of Ending Things on Netflix, as well as other roles such as Beast and The Woman in White. Rory Kenner has played in episodes of Black Mirror, Penny Dreadful, three of the most recent James Bond films, and has won an Oliver Award for Best Actor for his portrayal of a William Shakespeare villain. With the cast only consisting of four people, Men also stars Papa Ezadu as Harper's husband and Gail Rankin as Harper's friend Riley. Men is the second film from A24 I've seen this year, which any A24 comes with a specific style, this one being escalated horror for its gender-focused themes. I'm going to take a quick musical break and then go through the plot of Men. opens with Harper Marlowe. A widow decides to spend a holiday alone in the small village following the apparent suicide of her husband, James. In flashbacks, it is revealed that Harper, fed up with James's frequent emotional outbursts, intended to divorce him, leading James to threaten her with suicide and eventually striking her when she continues to rebuff him. This entire time, also, James is blaming her and saying that he will kill himself and that she'll have to live with it because it's her fault. Harper locks James out of the flat before witnessing him fall from an upstairs balcony to his death, being partially impaled by a fence below the apartment. Sometime later, Harper arrives at the house that she's renting where she's met by the owner, Jeffrey. Jeffrey gives her a walk around the apartment or the, the rental house. And the entire time also, he's implying things like how she shouldn't have to carry her own bags. And she, he asks about the the mister, which then he feels awkward because he can tell that, or he assumes that they're just divorced, but he doesn't know that he actually, that James killed himself. So this is just one of the several examples I'm going to use, and I'll go probably more over it at the end of the different men in this movie and how their toxic or fragile masculinity is just like kind of personified in each character. But um, Harper later goes on a walk after going around the house and she's on a walk in the woods and stumbles upon an old unused railway tunnel. A mysterious figure appears at the end of the tunnel and begins chasing her, but she manages to get away. A bit later, she reaches an open field and there's an abandoned building, which she then goes to take a picture. And after taking a picture, she inadvertently captures a naked man standing there. She wearily walks away, seeming to have gotten away from him, away from him, sorry. Later, as Harper is video chatting with her friend Riley, she observes the man in her garden, having followed her from the tunnel. Harper then calls the police and the man is arrested. In the meantime, she is being interviewed by the only other woman we've seen so far in this movie, aside from Riley over FaceTime, um, the police officer, and she doesn't even seem too concerned, saying that the naked man probably wasn't even a threat, but that he's just on drugs. 
Afterwards, Harper visits a church, and once she's inside, we see more flashbacks of her altercation with James right before he killed himself, and she is she just starts to wail out loud, and then we see a um, a preacher who does not approach her, but then as she goes outside, she's greeted by a young boy who starts to pressure her into playing a game of hide and seek, and then he's wearing a creepy mask, and whenever the preacher comes outside and tells him to leave her alone, the boy calls her a bitch and runs away. And then the preacher and um, Harper take a seat on the bench. She vents to him about everything that happened, and the preacher then asks her what did she do to drive him to suicide. He's literally blaming her instead of like recognizing that she was the victim in this situation. So gaslighting, triggering, all that, just another form of the toxic and fragile masculinity that I was talking about earlier. Um, after that, she leaves the church, eventually arrives at a pub, it's filled with other men. They all actually look similar, similar <laughs> to uh, Jeffrey. And one of them is the police officer, and he informs Harper that the man was released as they had no legal ground to keep the naked man detained. She's infuriated, and she's saying how he was stalking her and was a threat, and the police officer just doesn't even care. And even in this, like, setting, she's still the only woman, and no other man is, like, actually speaking up for her. Jeffrey's there as well, still making his kind of, like, sexist comments, and then just... Another man is just in the back, just staring at her. Um, Harper contacts Riley about this. She's just very upset and wants to leave. And then Riley agrees that she, or she doesn't agree. She's going to come to her instead. She's, I think she said it's going to be like a three or four hour drive. And then she asks her to send the address. And, and their uh, FaceTime call keeps getting dropped. So then they try to send it through text. And... It won't send, and then she gets text that says, like, I already know where you are, bitch. Um, as Harper attempts to send it, like, then her phone just goes out. She opens the door and sees the policeman in her yard, but as the lights flicker, he changes into one of the pub occupants, like the gentleman who was staring at her, who then chases her back inside the house. Harper defends herself with a knife before a window breaks in the kitchen. Um, then... At the door, Jeffrey, the homeowner, arrives, and he finds that the window breaking was due to a crow flying into it, which he then euthanizes by breaking its neck. As Jeffrey goes into the yard, he's replaced with the naked man, who chases her again. When he tries to reach her through the mail slot, Harper stabs him through the arm, but he manages to pull his arm free, the stuck knife ripping his arm in two, just completely splitting it in two, still attached to his body. Both the boy and the vicar appear in the house, each of them now with the same injury, so it's as if it is the same being. The vicar attempts to rape Harper upstairs, but she stabs him in the stomach and is able to leave the house. While attempting to drive away, Harper runs over Jeffrey, who gets the upper hand and drives away with the car before he drives back around, chasing Harper down and into a stone wall in front of the house. He misses. He doesn't actually hit her. He just runs into the stone wall. Uh, the naked man approaches Harper, his ankle now broken and still with his split arm. Um, he gives birth like he just arrives from behind the bushes and is now pregnant. He gives birth to a young boy who in turn gives birth to the vicar, the preacher, and then gives birth to Jeffrey. And then once inside the house from the hallway, we see the creature gives birth to James. James and Harper sit on the couch, both very injured. 
And while Harper asks the creature or James what he wants from her, James responds that he wants her love, which she appears to refuse. A short while later, Riley arrives and follows a blood trail to find Harper in the yard, smiling, and then the film ends there. All right, I went through the plot a little fast without like including all the details. I just want to take a little time to kind of talk about like some of the characters or even the actors and, and um, Jesse Buckley who played Harper. So whenever it came to the gentleman who played all the men in the village, Rory Kenner, honestly, me watching it the first time, I didn't realize it was the same person. Um, someone pointed out that whenever it's like a young boy and he takes off the mask and his face is like the, the same face, I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. I just thought he was like a really ugly kid. But <laughs> so Jeffrey, who owns the house, like I said, he seems very, um, very assured of, in a, of himself. Like, he knows best, and again, he's trying to, like, preach chivalry, even though he's having a hard time, like, carry all of her bags, but he's trying to do it all in once, just impress her, and just so she doesn't have to worry about anything. He's asking personal questions, and even at the um, the pub or the bar, he continued, like, just making these remarks about what a man should do and what a woman should do. Um, another character, the policeman, he lets it go and is acting very dismissive towards... Harper's emotions about the attack and the arrest and just just completely disregarding like her worry of safety. Whenever it comes to the preacher, he clearly is blaming the victim, saying it's her fault that James killed himself. And he even uses like the example of like men can hit women sometimes. So it just shows like his mental process, whether it's old timey or religious or whatever, but clearly in the wrong and just blaming women for the problems men have caused. The teen, his name was Samuel. He curses at women. He's wearing a cartoon like Marilyn Monroe mask. So I'm, I'm sure there's just some, some symbolism there, but he was also very entitled and got mad because she wouldn't play a game with him and then calls her a bitch. Um, the boyfriend himself, he was projecting and saying that everything was her fault. He acted very entitled. Like she was texting, I think it was his, her sister, or Riley, um, and he, he wanted, he tried to grab her phone, and then she had locked it, so then he's like, unlock it, unlock it, and I think he even breaks her phone, and then that's whenever he punches her. The naked man, clearly just being disgusting, walking around naked, and then trying to get inside of the home. I also feel like there were some interest. I don't know, maybe I'm just looking into it. A24 is always very artsy, so I could be wrong, but there's like symbolism, at least I was, that's what I was catching. Like there's the dandelion she blows towards the beginning and it's just all the seed being spread throughout the land. Um, whenever she first arrives to Jeffrey's home, she picks an apple and eats it. And I don't know, I don't know if that was meant to be like an Adam and Eve reference, but these are just some kinds of what I thought were symbolism in the movie, I could be wrong, but again, A24 is always about making very artsy. There are also very long, drawn-out shots, which I feel like this movie could have been a little shorter. And also a big problem for me were with these long, drawn-out shots. It was usually showing scenery, but the music would be like playing at like 11. Like I was seeing it in theaters, and there was just like sound cracking. I was like, this isn't even like enjoyable to hear. Like... Why are we taking this long just to like look at leaves and sun coming through the trees? I understand it kind of sets a mood, but at the same time, 
I was just kind of ready for like, that was like before the tonal scene and the tonal scene was fun and it was like intense and it was like a little slow because she like is all the way towards the other end of the tunnel before the guy stands up and starts to run at her. So like that was intense, but we didn't need that whole drawn out artsy scene that happened right before it. Whenever it came to Harper's character and Jesse playing her, like I liked her. She was definitely like, um, what's the right word? Like everyone around her was taking advantage of her and expecting things and being wrong to her. And I feel like Jesse like played that character very well. She was believable. She wasn't annoying. I, I even enjoyed her. It's not a similar character, but it just kind of reminded me of her character in um, I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Just very calm and in her head, but also for good reason, like scared and anxious. And she's just trying to heal after this traumatic experience that wasn't even her own fault. Also, I referred to it as a creature. And as I was watching this movie, I was like, what is going on? Because I was like, is it like hysteria? Because that was also a thing back in the day where like only women were believed to have hysteria, which would counter like be, be counterproductive to what the, mu the movie is like telling. So that didn't make sense. But the only reason I even said that was because whenever the phone's getting... Um, losing connection and she's trying to send a text i'm like well how does this creature interrupt a phone text message like to where it's taking over the text conversation unless it was in her head not like as a hysteria but i don't know if maybe it had that power but anyway as i was saying i referred to it as a creature but then i remembered weeks before the movie came out i'd read an article that had said like shapeshifter so i was like oh that makes sense that's why at the end it was giving birth to itself but until that moment, I was kind of confused, and I was like, I'm going to be kind of mad if this is all in her head. That'd just be a little, I don't know, tease for what it could have been. But no, it was a shapeshifter, and I think that made for a better, like, reason. And I don't know if everyone necessarily catches that, but overall, this movie seems like it's gotten quite a bit of praise. And the couple of people I've talked to that have seen it liked it themselves. Um, my favorite thing about the movie probably was the gentleman who played all four of the village men like I just thought every character felt different to where I didn't realize I had the same face so I think he did a really good job and like I said he even has that award so I guess there's a reason because that's a lot to take on and it has such a small cast already so they could have easily like just cast three other guys so the matter that they had this one gentleman play four different, and then they all the the only other man in the story was um, the boyfriend or husband, whatever it was, whoever James was. And then, like I said, Jess, uh, Jesse Buckley did a great job. I did like the overall story. Uh, the only problem really was the music and the very drawn out scenes. I feel like it could have been a little shorter, but otherwise, no. This is a solid movie. I like A twenty four typically even if sometimes it can be too much, but I already like had that in my mind. So I'd give men from 2022 a three out of five. So if you haven't checked it out already, maybe just wait till it's on something streaming, but I enjoyed it overall. That's all I have for this episode of men. Um, if you haven't already, please follow me on Instagram at, at horrors home and like the horrors home Facebook page. Also, whether you're listening on Spotify or Apple podcasts, please give me a five star rating. If you like this episode, it really helps for me to get discovered and get new listeners. I really appreciate everyone who already liked my page and um, followed me on there, or if you've reviewed it as well. Thank you very much. 
I've put these on Facebook as well. They automatically upload because I use Anchor. But apparently Facebook is doing away with podcast episodes after, I think it's June 10th, maybe it's June 24th. So won't be able to listen on, on there anymore. But you can still listen on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcast. But if you have any recommendations or anything you want to hear or want to listen to or t- just talk about messages, feel free to send me a message on Instagram or Facebook. My name's Tyler, and thanks for listening. Till next time.